May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. The lion will eat straw like the ox, and the wolf and the lamb will eat dinner together? Yeah, right. My my interpretation of this lovely scripture image has not yet caused me to make a case for myself to become a vegan, although I did have the Impossible Burger yesterday, and it tasted meaty enough for any wolf or lion. Reminds me of another famous image. The lion and the lamb will lie down together. In this picture of the future that God is creating where lions lie with lambs and wolves and lambs break bread together, I don't know about this. I have a feeling that could be one traumatized sheep. (laughs) Good luck sleeping next to that lion. If you can't sleep, you could always try counting, well... (laughs) And I... We'll always love you. Sing it with me. And I will always love you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you. Speaking of lions, that song was recorded by one Whitney Houston. For it, she won a Grammy and it became the best-selling single by a female in music history. Born right up the road in Newark, Whitney Houston was one of the most celebrated and most awarded, most influential African-American women singers of all time. I think it's also fair to say that when millions of people are moved by your music, your voice, and your performances, you are, in fact, one of the most influential human beings. And yet her final resting place is marked by a very commonplace, inornate, very humble-looking headstone right here in Fairview Cemetery in Westfield. You most likely know Fairview Cemetery. It is, after all, the dead center of town. Within the first month of my arrival here at St. Paul's, Galind and Father Duncan took me to her grave. I would not have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. A simple stone with her name engraved, lined up along with hundreds of others laid to rest there. The one difference, however, between Whitney Houston's gravestone and the majority of others is that there is her image her portrait engraved on it. This was for me the most glaring point about Whitney's grave, in that the visage chiseled there looks nothing like Whitney Houston. Maybe if one squints really hard or sees her from a distance or has no idea what Whitney's face really looked like, you might say, that could be Whitney Houston, but I really doubt it. She is unrecognizable. How could this have happened? I wondered. When Elvis has Graceland, 
an entire multiplex estate, part museum, part theme park, part shrine. And Whitney has a weathered, run-of-the-mill piece of granite with a poorly rendered face etched on it that, frankly, does not pass for Whitney Houston in any light. It got me thinking that whether we pedestalize and enshrine the past or if we diminish it and belittle it, we are in danger of not seeing what God is doing in the present. We are in danger of missing what God has for us in the future. I've heard the adage that those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it, and I'd add, those who do study history are doomed to watch those who don't study history repeat it. (laughs) But you see, I am not advocating for a disassociation from the past, nor for a lack of reverence for the past. I am not suggesting that the great stories and figures, men and women of faith, people of all runs of life, the vast tapestry of human history woven together in our collective memories with tales of how we see and understand ourselves. I'm not suggesting that that must be truncated in any way. I am suggesting we stay informed by those. But what I am declaring to you today is that God is the God of the living because God is a living God. God is the great I am, meaning I am here. I am now. I am creating because I am a creative God, he says. That's why they call me the creator. See, the prophet says, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. And I will take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. What I am saying is that when we live in a memorialized and nostalgic relationship with the past or even a guilt-ridden, an if-only, a regretful relationship with the past, we can miss the urgent and new activity of God in real time, in the here and in the now. Whether we pedestalize or diminish, living in the past, by definition, bars us from living in the here and now. Indeed, it can bar us from truly living. It can make our relationships with God static. When God's desire is to activate and spark and energize us and empower us. Living in the past can cause our imaginations to grow pale when God longs to illuminate them. It can cause our love to grow tepid and stale when God's love is renewing and new. You see, on the other side of the coin of amnesia, which is forgetting, we find the culprit, nostalgia. 
Where amnesia forgets, nostalgia exaggerates, caricaturizes, misremembers. It blurs and bends our imaginations of the past until they are like an unrecognizable portrait chiseled into a headstone, attempting to capture something of that which was good, even that which was great, but in reality is gone and buried. This kind of memorialization is the opposite of rendering actual honor and gratitude for that which has gone before. Is it possible that we, the Christian church, the Episcopal church of the early 21st century, and what is now referred to in the Western world as being post-Christian, is it possible that we are treading water in the standing water of nostalgia when we could be immersed in the deep and living waters that mark and seal us in our baptisms? Is it possible that most churches are in decline, and they are, because we have made museums of them, rather than allowing God to transform us into the dynamic and creative followers of that dynamic and creative Spirit of God? the spirit that relentlessly pursues each and every one of us with the good news. And that good news is that you and you and you and you and every last one of us is radically loved by a transforming love with a capital L that longs for creative engagement to work through and in you, creating a new heaven and a new earth where the sound of weeping will be heard no more and where the wolf and the lamb eat dinner together. Memorializing and enshrining the past the way it used to be, the glory days, remember? The way we've always done it. The way I've always liked it to be done the right way to do things. I suggest to you that those impulses are more about nostalgia and less about participating in what the living God is doing right now. You see, nostalgia is more about survival than revival. And the sad irony is nostalgia can strangle the power of the real and the agency of the now. Like acquiring an old guitar, generations old, that sings, but then putting it behind glass, never to be played. Or like pinning down a beautiful butterfly on a photograph album. Or like chopping down an ancient tree and putting it in a tree museum for the public to come and see. This is what trees used to be like, except of course they used to be alive. This one in our exhibit has been chopped down. You see, the Christian life that flows from the living Christ is always about God and what God is doing now. Right now. And now. 
And hold on, wait for it. Right now. And what is God doing right now? I'm glad you asked. God is building and extending his kingdom in the hearts of men and women, in our church, in our town, in our nation, and across the face of the earth. Today is Celebration Sunday. It's the grand finale of this year's stewardship campaign. So how can we free ourselves from the nostalgia trap and join in with the work and movement of the Spirit of God in real time, in the here and now? We can join in with the creative work in making things new and just and equitable and fair and peaceful and reconciled. We can join in by giving of our time, our talents, our energies, our resources, and yes, our money. If you haven't pledged yet, you still can. Our giving is a sign to God and to each other and to the world and also to ourselves that we are invested in what, is God, in what God is doing now and participating in the future that God is creating as he goes before us. We are also preparing for Advent, and I enjoy the fact that Advent is the beginning of the church calendar while situated at the end of our calendar year. To me, this speaks of the constant newness of God's work in our lives and in the world, and like God so often does, flips the script. What a a beautiful irony that when it looks and feels like it's the end, we can be assured that the beginning is near. And what about this picture This prediction of the prophet Isaiah when he declared, The lion will eat straw like an ox, and the wolf and the sheep will eat dinner together. This is not a magical, utopian world in which the lion says to the lamb, I'm okay and you're okay, and let's just get along and be friends now. This is not a fantasy land. This is not a misty, pastel-colored Shangri-La where we all stroke harps for all of eternity. No. This is a real invitation. This is a hard-won, high-cost invitation to you and me. It is an invitation born out of struggle. It's an invitation born out of the ferocious heart of God and born out of the work of Christ on the cross born out of the power of his resurrection and born out of the continued work of the Holy Spirit in the here and now this invitation is an invitation to reversal of things where the wolf and sheep are eating together where things are reconciled can you imagine In this picture of reconciliation and redemption of the wolf and the sheep, can you imagine if the wolf said to the sheep, hey, sheep, remember when I used to have to dress up like you uh, and sneak around and just to surprise you and then tear you limb from limb just so I could have a good meal? Can you imagine if the lamb was like, yeah, I remember that. Let's go back to that. That was great. No. 
This invitation is to the promise that God delights over us. See, I am creating a new heaven and new earth. It is the promise of God's undying love that I can almost hear echoing across the centuries from the prophet Isaiah. Can you hear it? Tune in. I can almost hear God singing to us. And I will always love you. Amen.